0: There's been so many times where someone has attended one of our events, or our talks, and they come up to us and they say, I'm a teacher or I work in retail. Is financial independence for me. And it's like, OK, I don't know. Who are you? And it's like, well, I'm a teacher and I work in retail. And we have to remind them that's not who you are. That's what you do. Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas,
1: and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor,
0: Tristan Almada. The show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada.
2: I loved interviewing Julian and Kirsten because they're not only one of the nicest couples you'll ever meet, they're smart, but they also run one of the top podcasts I know. Good friends with them, Rich and regular, let's talk a little bit about money and the challenges we have in working with money. A lot of it is psychological. Some of it we don't even talk about, but the fact that it's there means we have to take it head on. They mentioned something that I hadn't heard about, which was community normalizes the struggle and the wins and the importance of working with a community that can either help you grow into better managing money or do the opposite, which is teach you what not to do with money, which is where a lot of us are stuck in. Listen into this one. You're gonna learn, take some notes, and by the way, pick up their book, which I mentioned in the podcast and listen to their podcast, Rich and Regular. Here we go. Welcome back. To another episode of brilliant thoughts the number two podcast apparently because i'm interviewing <laughs> the people that run the number one podcast for success my <laughs> friends julian and kirsten welcome thank you so much for being on it's i feel like we should have done this two years ago
0: oh i know this yeah. feels like both very natural and also very overdue where it's like I feel like we talk all the time. Right. But then we've never talking like this, talking like this. So (laughs) 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 like it's a good
2: start. It's a good start. And for those of you that are tuning in only on the podcast, you are missing out on Julian's hat, which is a happy face, which I love.
1: Yes. Thank you. It's uh it's an emoji hat. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's my new favorite
1: thing.
0: And I have one too. Now I feel like I should. Oh, you should
2: have wore it. Is it? No. Is it more of like a a face that's like in the middle? It's like <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a smiley
0: face. It's just that's a white right. hat.
2: <laughs> that's cool. All right, guys. Well, look, you you run an amazing show, and it's not just on podcasts. It's on social you have a great following and you talk about money. What, what have you seen has changed just over the last year? Because I feel like inflation is such a big thing that now it's affecting the banks. Right. And now everybody's like, wait, we didn't even know. It's like, now we're heading into a whole different direction. We may not have a soft landing. It's going to be a hard landing. It's affecting everything. What's the biggest concern you see out there that you tackle on a weekly basis? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a money
1: nerd. Like true and true. I've been studying and obsessing about money for probably 20 years now. And even when Kirsten and I met, which was around 10 years ago, money was almost like the third wheel uh, in our relationship. It was the reason that kind of broke us up initially. It's the reason why we got back together. Um, it's the reason why we started Rich and Regular as a platform and now as a business and a podcast. Um, But we often reflect back on some of those early days and what people used to complain about. And back then, it used to be like, man, there's just not enough information or there aren't enough people out there. There aren't enough sort of books or those kinds of things. And now I think you could argue that it's actually a little different. Like now there's so much being thrown at people. You know, I can only imagine how difficult it is or who would believe these days versus maybe a decade ago, right? Like it's it's a completely different landscape. Technology has introduced new functionality in terms of investing, new apps, new platforms, new aggregators, new currencies. Like it's it's a completely different uh, world. And the, honestly, it's like pick a problem. Like whichever, <laughs> whichever angle you wanna look at it, I can tell you right now, top of mind, one of the biggest things that I would say is a real issue, not that we have to dive into it, is tech illiteracy. Right. The fact that everything that I just said, personal finance or financial literacy. In this era is intertwined with tech literacy and right? media literacy and media literacy. You have to have all of those things in order to accomplish the goal, right? Because even the old saying of, oh, back in the days, and you know, these kids can't even balance a checkbook, right? That used to be a good disc. <laughs> That's a terrible disc now because <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. No one balances a checkbook. But the problem is most people don't even they don't have an app, they don't have a smartphone, they don't have the understanding or to how to navigate technology in order order to get quick answers to the problems that they have. And so that's really, uh, I think, at the forefront that's um, impacting a lot of people these days.
2: I hadn't thought about it that way. So if we're going to, let's say, become more literate on the tech side and on the media side, where would we start so that we can at least get to the point where we're barely at least making it? Where would that, what would that look like?
0: Yeah, it, it kind of depends on on where you're coming from. I think the answer for us has been community, has yeah. been small groups of very active and very enthusiastic personal finance enthusiasts that can help you kind of like we talk about on our podcast, that intersection where life intersects with money mm-hmm. versus just learning about money as a generic concept. Otherwise, you put yourself at risk for panicking over something that doesn't even affect you, something that doesn't oh. even Uh, apply to you, you find yourself panicking because that's what the media is doing. That's what you're seeing on your timeline from different various content creators and algorithms, which are biased to put that stuff in front of you. And so it really starts like with your own bank account, with your own budget, with your own financial goals, Mm -hmm. and then kind of safely sharing that with trusted community that you then find.
2: Okay. With that, then if I'm looking at this as a business owner, I've also seen businesses small solopreneur entrepreneur that's growing i've seen them also not have a full grasp of their financials i see it all the time yep you know i was one of those people i'm like oh yeah this is important i'm just making i need to make more money that's what the problem is. i need to make it'll take care of itself and you're smiling because you know it's like it's oh like yeah
0: it. i used to be that person
2: oh it's april it's about to be <laughs> april so <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Tax season's coming up. I it used to have the same gut feeling where it's like, oh my gosh, every year is the reveal of how inadequate I feel about yeah. what's happening with our business.
2: That's a lot of people, man. It's a oh, yeah. lot of people. Where where do we start with something like that? Break down what this looks like, either of you. If I'm looking at this on a tech side, what tech do I bring in to help me so it's more automated? And on the media side, I'd never heard of that, by the way, which is awesome. Explain that to me. So both of those. Yeah, I actually don't even think
1: it matters how we look at it, whether we're talking about tech or media. The answer actually goes right back to what Kirsten was saying. And it's around trust. It doesn't matter what problem it is that we're trying to solve or what issue that we're trying to deal with. It's really about finding trusted, incredible resources. Obviously, you're a trusted, incredible resource. The success community is a trusted, incredible resource. We like to think of the little community that we've built with our podcast and our broader platform as a place to do that. Now, what we need is to ensure ensure that we're constantly engaging with those people and that we're willing to be vulnerable whenever we come into those issues. And again, not to sound what Keir Snow says or calls woo-woo, but we really are, I think, suffering from an absence or a breakdown of community. So many of us are struggling and we don't want to share the fact that we're struggling. We don't want to share the fact that, you know, we're not earning enough income, or that we don't thoroughly understand uh, the way that the tax system works, or we don't want to share the fact that actually my partner and I are having trouble with our relationship. It's having a negative impact on my ability to scale that business and so on and so on, right? You need community. You need people that you can say, hey, man, this is what I'm going through. I've gone through that thing. And by the way, that may not be your family. I know that's a safe and in some cases may seem like a, a simple or easy way to start, But in some cases, and in many cases, I would say, like your family may not necessarily be the community that you need in any of those particular endeavors. And so I think joining that group or going to that meetup or participating in that thing, I think getting off the sidelines, because it's so easy to do that in this digital world where you're just sort of casually participating in things. I think really kind of taking a step back, jumping into that thing, being an active contributor to a community is going to be the thing that unlocks so many life lessons, not just financial lessons, but all of the things that I think that are important
2: uh, that ultimately lead to us having successful lives. Wow. That makes a lot of sense that the community piece is so important, right?
1: Yeah.
2: All yeah. of a sudden. Yeah. As I'm, as I'm thinking through what you just said, the community that you're part of or that you're not part of, but in, in this one, in this case. That really defines how you look at everything else, including money, right?
0: It does. It does. There was a rec- there was a study not too long ago that talks about how people judge their financial standing based on their peer set, based on the group that's surrounded them. And so, if you are making four hundred thousand dollars in Silicon Valley, where everybody else makes ten million dollars, you don't feel rich at all. Even though in a city like Atlanta or Tulsa, Oklahoma or Birmingham, Alabama, you're the king of the castle making $400,000. And so part of what community does is normalize not just the wins and successes, but also the struggles. Because for a lot of things where a solution is being sold to you, either via news or social media or whatever you're consuming on a normal day, there may not actually be a solution. I tend to think of like the beauty industry where they all sell an anti-aging <laughs> moisturizer or serum or something. There's nothing that is going to stop you from aging, but that's what it's called. It's called anti-aging ingredients, and you buy into that. The same is true on the financial side, where some of the struggles that we experience as small business owners, as as small families as just individuals trying to make it in a hyperinflationary environment is just what it is. And part of being community helps you normalize that, come up with more creative ways to deal with it, whether it's sharing resources or learning about a new tool or a new product, whatever it is. But it's not, it's not promising to like make it go away because yeah. some of this stuff is just—it's just the moment that we're in.
2: That's true. All right. So now community. I agree with you hundred percent. That is key. Where do we go and find the community? I mean, besides going into, let's say your podcast, following you on social, where do we have to go and find a brand new kind of like family? Do we have to go in new events, new people, new friends? How, do, what does that look like? Well, I can tell you one thing it's awkward. Uh,
0: and <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's super
0: I was awkward. like, let me be honest. This is not, The fun part, (laughs) making friends as adults can be very awkward, especially if you're trying to make friends around a like minded value like frugality or retirement or financial freedom. Like it can be a little awkward, but you have options. And we actually have a chapter about this in our book, Cashing Out, where you can either do digital. You can find friendships and community digitally using Facebook group, discords, hashtags, simply by tweaking the algorithm to like things that you're interested in and seeing more interested in seeing more of that helps to surface people that can be in your community. Right. And then you can do an in real life version of this, which is attending meetups, which is making friends with, you know, local people at the baseball game. It's starting conversations with strangers at a coffee house. And I know this is all very weird post-COVID, but like this is kind of what you have to do. And then our favorite version is a a combination of the two. So you might meet somebody online, you might interact with their content, you might join the same webinar, whatever it is. And then you find out that they're at a conference and you make plans to meet there or you host a meetup and say, hey guys, I'm gonna be walking this trail at nine o'clock would love for people to join me it requires vulnerability. It requires putting yourself out there, but the benefits of it are just far beyond anything that doesn't include like that human aspect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Even in our own lives. I mean, the difference is really clear between when we find a new topic and we just sort of stay within our own little bubble and the comfort of our home and we don't really share this interest with anyone versus when you take that first step and you join that online group or you attend that meetup, like it almost as if it just magically unlocks the learnings and makes you go from someone who was just an admirer to a practitioner. And that to me, specifically when it comes to like things like investing, Is so important because there's a big difference between learning about investing and all of the different ways to do it and actually knowing what it feels like to lose money or what it feels like to get money that you didn't have before. Like that is almost like the the, that's like 80 percent of it. You know what I mean? You can learn about it, but you also need to know what it feels like, what you need to be thinking more about, what you need to be reacting to, what you need to relearn. And you only get that from actually doing the thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's why community is so important because it normalizes what those processes, what those feelings and, and, and what all of those emotions uh, should, should be, um, what you should be paying attention to.
2: Dude, that, that's very true. I'm looking at your book right now on Amazon, Cashing Out. Win the wealth game by walking away. Yeah. I haven't read it yet. I just added it to my cart. Tell <laughs> me about the the second part to that. Win the wealth game by walking away. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, the
1: book is really about, very similar to our podcast, it's really about the intersection, right? And so our book, uh, Cashing Out, is about money at the intersection of work. And we're specifically talking about money from the perspective of Black professionals, right? And so when we talk, a look at that subtitle and we say, win the wealth game by walking away, what we're really highlighting is some of the other uglier sides of work and money that unfortunately disproportionately uh, affect these communities. So things like the racial wealth gap, things like the racial income gap, things like uh, the sandwich generation, which is this idea or this label used uh, for people who are financially responsible for supporting children under the age of 18, as well as adults who are over the age of 65. You can imagine it's very difficult to apply the basic fundamental rules of personal finance when your money is sort of being spent or drained in both directions. And so the idea is to say, hey, these general rules of personal finance did not account for all of these other things. And so if you're affected by these things or if you're mindful of those things, these are actually the rules and what we call the rituals that you should be paying attention to in order to help you win this game.
2: Yeah, Got it. Okay, I like that. So you touched on something that uh, a lot of people... in 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 the u.s don't talk about if they're not your skin color or my skin color right i'm mexican yeah and that's the racial racial disparity like of of money yeah most of us didn't start with a leg up right and that's a difficult conversation for some people they're like "Yeah, well you know what well now you're starting off right How do you talk to that demographic so that they bust out of that mental um, challenge or rut they're in? Because I know coming in, I didn't know what I didn't know. That's why I love the word community, by the way. Yeah. It it showed me. I was like, that's possible? You know, I, thought, I thought the max was going to be, this sounds weird, but I thought I'm going to start a gardening business. This is so weird, right? I'm Mexican. <laughs> I'm going to start a gardening business. My wife always brings this up. And I'm going to have like four or five gardeners. I'm probably going to make like 80 to hundred thousand a year. I got this down. That was the epitome of success for me. Right. How do you have this conversation and break through all of the mind barriers with this demographic?
0: Who it's, it's, a, it's a process. It's a long process. And it starts with asking a different set of questions, right? It's really starting to help people get out of their own way by recognizing and showing them how to recognize that they don't need to learn anything else. They actually need to begin the process of unlearning. Yes. And the only way that you get to that is by asking them questions that they haven't really thought about. There's been so many times where someone has attended one of our events or our talks and they come up to us and they say, I'm a teacher or I work in retail. Is financial independence for me. And it's like, OK, I don't know. Who are you? And it's like, well, I'm a teacher and I work in retail. And we have to remind them that's not who you are. That's what you do. That's what you do for a living. That's what you do in exchange for a paycheck. But that is not who you are. You have to really do the work of discovering who you are. And then you can kind of back into a number or a lifestyle that matches that person. But a lot of us have skipped over the part that acknowledges that we're a whole human and maybe working nine to five and commuting two hours each way isn't who we are. And that's why we're so miserable because we are living outside of ourselves 40 hours a week.
2: That's so good (laughs) because that is true. We find that we've associated heavily who we are with what we do. Yes. Help me hack it for listeners. Even though some of these listeners are solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, I still think there's there's still a ceiling in their head.
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: What is the best possible answer, if there is one, help me get there, to this question that you asked? Because I find like, well, who are you? And then most people are like, well, um, I run a business and it's this, and then they're tied to that. What's the best possible answer for this? Is there one?
0: So I can tell you some hacks that I use in my head. One is just getting really good at observing your own thoughts. So you can call this mindfulness meditation. I'm not saying you have to do it the way that, you know, you see on TV with your legs crossed and you're oming to death, but like being really good at observing the thoughts. This is one of the unique parts of the human brain is that we have the observer capability where we can look and be like, oh, that's what I'm thinking right now. So learning how to observe your thoughts and really tracking what thoughts are going through your head. You can do this through, again, journaling. You can do this through just standard meditation. Being able to capture the moments where you're either doubting yourself, being mean to yourself, questioning yourself or just not feeling good about what you're doing is the first step. And then I think the second step is really asking yourself who you would be if no one was looking. What kind of things would you do if you couldn't tell anybody that you did them, right? That helps you identify where you're doing this people-pleasing, I'm acting this way because I think that's the way a mom is supposed to behave, or I'm acting this way because I think that's the way a business owner is supposed to behave. But if you could create a business where you could only run it the way that you wanted to, which may be, you know, from your cell phone on a beach somewhere, then it helps you back into some of the choices that you've made, even as a solopreneur, as an entrepreneur, that aren't necessarily in your best interest.
1: I think part of the other challenges, uh, and Kirsten alluded to this, is that we're oftentimes talking to really smart people.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? We're talking to the best of the best. They're hardworking. They've already advanced in their careers. They got everything that they ever wanted. And so... Um, it's very easy for them to kind of pick apart your argument or your advice. And so in those cases, what we find is actually really, really powerful is we stop centering these issues um, as a financial literacy issue right? Because this isn't, in many cases, a literacy issue. We all know that we should drink more water and eat more green vegetables, but that's not going to stop us at the end of the day from pouring a bourbon meat <laughs> and eating a burger, right? We all know that we should probably not spend as much money, that we should probably uh, save and invest a little bit more, that we should probably learn a little bit more about how some of these things work because we know there has the potential to unlock unlimited potential in our lives, but we don't do it. And the answer is not because we don't know better. It's because there are so, Social and cultural forces that shape the way that we think and the way that we make decisions far more than our brain's capacity to actually understand what to do. And so what we found is very, very powerful to stop teaching and to just start living by example. I think having a financial role model, someone that says, well, this is actually what a rich life looks like. This is what freedom looks like. This is the ease or the, the, the ability to navigate some of these really difficult issues looks like. And when people see that, all of a sudden, the, ex- the, the excuses that were self-imposed, all of the limitations about what's possible oftentimes become real, especially when they can relate to the person that they're looking at. And so what we're trying to do in many way- ways is not necessarily to say, hey, be like us, but it's a matter of saying, hey, we believe in community, so let's act as a lighthouse. You see us, meet everyone else who's just like you. Right, you may, and they're all at varying degrees of success. And I think when people see that, the light bulb goes off. All of a sudden, it becomes real, and they find themselves wanting to sort of take action on the things that they already knew to be true.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm,
2: That's so true. We get in our going back to how this part started. We get in our own way, sure, for sure. All right, what are some good books that you would recommend? for people listening in to read that can help that can help them get a better grasp of of money in general like like your book cashing
1: out yeah so i think there's several but i think one in particular that is a favorite of ours is called a simple path to wealth it's by uh An author who has turned friend, uh, (laughs) J.L. Collins, Um, it is exactly what it sounds like. It is a refreshingly simple take on how to build wealth uh, in a sustainable, easy to understand way. Uh, And by that, I mean, it does not look or sound like 99 percent of the complicated whiz bang you know, Wolf of Wall Street stuff that so many of us have been led to believe. Like that's one way of doing it. But the vast majority of us can't actually do that. Um, his approach and very similar to what our approach uh, is really centered in the idea of simple, consistent investing and that uh, he really, really makes it easy. And so it's a bit of a cheat code to uh, building wealth uh, sustainably in this country.
0: And I have one to add for the people aspect which I think helps with money, but it's called Set Boundaries, Find Peace by Nedra Tob, And she is a therapist who has worked with hundreds, maybe even thousands of clients and has found these patterns that people have around setting boundaries in their life. And I think in reading it, it helped me one, redefine what a boundary was, but it I could apply that same knowledge just in my personal relationships to my finances to understand where my boundaries were there, and it opened up a new realm of possibilities, both on the earning side and the saving side.
2: Do you think on that 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 is the biggest challenge that we find in dealing with money, like the psychology of what it means to have money, spend money, all of that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh, sorry. <laughs> no,
1: I I, I do. But, and but I also think that we need to be a little softer on ourselves. Like it's really hard because it's very complicated, right? And and the reality is we also live in a hyper uh, consumeristic culture, and so it is very very difficult to ignore temptation because it, there's a reason why like the food looks so good <laughs> and the video on that vacation looks so amazing.
0: And the filters. And that
1: filter and that towel <laughs> looks so soft. Like it's very, very difficult. And that advertisement seemed to come at the perfect time. And it's almost as if they're talking to you. They and are talking they
0: are. to me. And are they are. You,
1: and it's getting... you skip that? It's getting smarter. It's getting more effective. Like marketers are getting better. We're, we're all, we're marketers, right? We're, they're getting better at it. And so there, there's a reason why we sort of, Uh, slip up as often as we do. And so it it has nothing to do with how smart we are, but we're so conditioned that when something goes wrong or when actual doesn't meet budget, right, that we've done something wrong and we beat ourselves up. And then we go back to the drawing board to learn more when the reality is the price went up or (laughs) inflation impacted pricing or any number of other issues got in the way.
0: There's a war in Russia, in (laughs) the Ukraine, like there's a number of things that we just don't control. yeah, And again, that building that awareness of like, where did that idea come from? Why do I keep obsessing over this thing that I want to buy? And it's like, you start to realize like, oh, it's been fed to me. It's yeah. an ad, it's marketing. It's all of these things that I have to learn how to filter out or at least how to detox from to make sure that I'm not like drunk off of it.
2: Yeah. That, that makes sense. I like that. I like this this conversation i like this approach much better than let's say like we see dave ramsey everywhere
0: yeah i knew you were gonna say that
2: <laughs> yeah. i mean he's the only other finance guy that i that i always hear because i'm in real estate all right yep. yeah yeah and, and he's a uh, originally a real estate agent so he's always brought up into my world and i'm like you know i feel like half of the stuff is like okay that makes sense but then the other half is like i don't know that that is real right? Yeah. So I don't know how much of it is show and why it's just a game follower. I don't know what the hell it is at this point, but um, with your audience, what resonates the most with your audience? When you're talking and they're like, their eyes just light up and you're like, oh, you know what? That makes sense. What is that that you say that really connects with your audience?
0: I think for me, you may have a different answer. For me, it's when we give them permission. And that sounds like a weird way to phrase it, but that's the only word that I can think of. But when we say the thing that they're thinking out loud, like, this is kind of crazy, right? Like I'm pretty sure we use more colorful language (laughs) than that. Pretty
1: (laughs) pretty crazy sounds safe. Oh, pretty crazy. It's pretty Pretty crazy. Pretty
0: crazy. Is it just me or does this feel expensive? Or do you remember a time where, you know, being a bridesmaid didn't cost you $4,000 in like eight days of time off. Like, do you remember when you could affordably take a vacation? Do you remember what it was like to have more money at the end of your paycheck? Like, we just start asking the things that they're thinking that they somehow feel ashamed or stigma, or, you know, in some cases, they feel such survivor's guilt that they don't wanna complain. It seems like a two first world of a problem to complain about the fact that you may be middle class and still feel stretched. And so I think when we talk about these issues up front, when we say things like, you know, a lot of people who make $250,000 live in paycheck to paycheck. I think it resonates because it's like, that's my life. I've never said that out loud, but I am a high earner yep. who is not rich yet. I am the most successful person in my family and I'm struggling with it. And I think just normalizing the conversation that without financial literacy, you'll just keep raising how much your lifestyle, you'll keep spending every dollar that you get instead of until you like find a reason That's to true. just stop to get off the treadmill.
2: Yeah, that I, that resonates with me because I I see that like I was at a point where I was like I just need to make more money. That's yeah. it. That's the solution to everything. Yes. yes. Right, but not- then you
0: make it and you spend it all. No, and it's no, like, no, well, no. now I just need to make more money. And it's like, okay, now you're in the top 0, 0.11% of people and it's still not enough. It's right. like, at what point do we recognize that this might be a you issue yeah. and not, <laughs> a- <laughs> not like a, a money thing?
2: <laughs> do you do you recommend that, that people, when, when you're joining this community of people that now you can emulate and you're like, oh, that's a great example. Like, like what you're doing. Right. And now I have a good example. Do you also recommend that people at some point get a bookkeeper, uh, get their own accountant or share an accountant, or just continually look at their finances, kind of like, kind of like how they watch Netflix or how they check email. What does that look like? So we don't do a lot of like business consulting with people, but in
1: general, like we're certainly always advocating for the power of simplicity. Right. I I think these days, going back to what we were saying earlier, there's so much stuff like don't Google anything, because if you Google it, you know, you are going to be bombarded with. 15 to 20 different options about that category for the next three days, right? And so it just leads to more and more confusion. Well, oh, I thought I found the solution to my problem, but then I saw an ad that literally told me the thing that I saw wasn't going to fix it. And so you just cycle of constantly learning and reevaluating different things. It just repeats itself. Um, And I think the same is true in our personal finance. I mean, again, a lot of times this has very little to do with learning, right? Like obviously for a lot of people, overcoming the literacy hump is real. Uh, But once you've solved for that, it's really about getting in there and knowing what it feels like to get money and lose money. Like once you sort of build that muscle and then it's just a matter of like being consistent and continuing to do it over a period of time. And when it comes to entrepreneurs, like it's really just about keeping things simple, focus, focus, focus on the core business model and try your best, not to get distracted because there will be distractions. You're going to get some new money and it's going to feel like, well, that could be the new primary driver. And you take your eye off the ball and you're constantly, constantly going uphill instead of like at some point being comfortable with just hitting and putting that thing in cruise control.
2: Mm, That's a a really good advice, man. I like that. I'm I'm talking to myself a little (laughs) bit. (laughs) I feel like you were talking to me. I'm like, shit,
1: how did she know? It's there's a lot, it's a lot, man. There's it's a lot, but but I, I, I try to look at it on the positive side too, which is to say that it's never, and this isn't to be flippant for anyone that's out there struggling, but it's also never been easier to make a buck, it's never right. been easier to invest that money, it's never been easier, and that's part of the challenge. We've got so much to choose from. And again, to bring it full circle, that's where community comes in. You've got some people that you can bounce these ideas off of to be able to say, hey, well, this is what I've done, or this is what I've been doing, or I tried that thing and it didn't work out. doesn't mean that you follow it, but at least you've got a different perspective outside of just the content that's out there and advertisements and all those things to help uh, sort of throw some of those ideas against the wall. And so... Um, yeah. I think, I think that's to, to an extent we're all in the same boat, you know, it just, yeah. it just kind of depends on, on the angle you're looking at it.
2: All right. Well, with what's happening, our current financial atmosphere, what should we be worried about when it comes to money? Just for 2023 and maybe a few more months after that, like what stands out for you? Because there's a lot going on Everyone's worried about, well, how how does inflation work now with the banks dying and then yeah. the government stepping in and saving everyone again? It's like, is that healthy? Is that going to cause more inflation? What should we be worried about when it comes to money? I think the number one issue most people have is
1: that they just don't make enough of it. Right. I think a lot of us are trying to solve some really difficult problems, but we don't have enough money. Right. We don't have enough to invest. We don't have enough to cover uh, our bills and to have a strong sense of financial security. And so I would say the first thing we need to focus on is to ensure that we have the skills or that we're developing the skills to ensure that we can continue to earn uh, enough money, if not more than enough money for the foreseeable future. And I know that sounds, you know, optimistic or, you know, like easier said than done, but that is the reality for most people. You just don't make enough. It's not that you don't know how, but it's that you, 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 you've locked yourself into one source of income or one way of doing things instead of looking at the full breadth of opportunities out there. We tell people all the time, your salary is not your ceiling. Your salary is just the budgeted amount of money that you agreed to to do a particular line of work but there are more hours in the day. There's more wealth to be unlocked in your mind. And so there's a lot of other things that you can do and should be doing to increase your earning potential. And again, that's true in personal finance and it's true in business. Revenue, income solves a lot of problems. There's still a lot of other things that you need to do, but like it starts with income. So I think making sure that you're putting yourself in a position to earn as much as you can, I think is top of mind. And once you get that, quite honestly, you could ignore it. You know, 90% of the stuff that the media is sort of shoving down our throats right now. Like it's a distraction, it's hysteria. uh, And by the way, it's designed to help make them more money, right? (laughs) It's designed to keep your attention uh, and to get you to click and to get you to stay here until the next break so that they can make more money. And so for most of us, mind your business, (laughs) make as much money as possible. And I think you will find yourself in a better situation um, in the future if you do that.
0: Yeah. I, I, along those lines, I think even if you're not thinking big picture in terms of how much income you make over a year, your ability to deal with a sudden loss of income is going to be a crucial life skill going into the next, I would say 18 to 24 months, whether it's because of a layoff or because of a bank delaying your withdrawals or because whatever happens, you could be disabled or sick and out of work. You need to have a plan in place or an emergency fund or some sort of safety net that you have created not one that you're dependent on a government or some other institution to provide for you something that you've created that allows you to kind of soften that blow and make it through a sudden loss of income for a substantial amount of time
2: okay i i I agree with you 100 how do we then improve our skills where do we go to to because everybody has different talents right Where do you suggest they typically go to improve these skills that they already have? Is it going to find a community that's similar to that, or do they have to go back to school? Do they go to YouTube? What do you typically see as the best practices?
0: Yeah, YouTube is a vast resource that I find to be most helpful, more so than, than some of the other social networks, presumably because YouTube is a search engine. So your ability to hone in on a very specific type of content and to literally see it happening in front of you, if you want to learn how to edit videos, you can go on YouTube right now and watch somebody for three hours, click by click, share their screen and edit a video in front of you. That type of interaction isn't really there on the other social networks that are incentivized for you to consume short-term content to just be you know not nu- non-nuanced very broad content. So that's probably the first place that I would start is just creating a curriculum of YouTube videos. They make it very easy to save these things to a playlist so you can revisit it later. Yep. And then I would couple that YouTube education with I know if this is going to be a shocker for somebody. Books. Books are still, to me, the best resource. And I'm saying this as someone who spent three years writing one. You get an author's three years, years worth of research, years worth of layers of editing all for under 20 bucks most of the time. And if you go to the library, it's completely free and you can use books the same way that you use textbooks. I think people get intimidated by two and 300 pages, but if you look at the table of contents, if you look at the glossary, you can use a book just to get a really concise understanding of a topic before, you know, you, you, you have to read the whole thing. And so I would say those two things are a great place to start. And then from there, I would challenge you to stop consuming information and begin to become a creator. So create, even if it's just a video saying, listen, today's the first day I'm going to try and sell this printable on Etsy. Or today's the first day where I'm showing up to an open house knowing that I want to list this as the listing agent, or I don't know how real estate works, but hopefully you follow the metaphor. Like It's just simply you stop consuming and you start putting your actions out there for other people to comment on and help you and learn with. I think it's one of the easiest ways to get good advice is to ask a question on the internet instead of searching for other answers.
2: I like that. So if I'm looking at improving my skills through youtube and books by the way i agree with you like podcasts events all of that right the community aspect of this and i i improve those skills how do i go then and improve my mindset skills so that they match what i'm learning because a lot of times we're like this brilliant but we just don't believe that we can do it we're right here
0: Yeah, that's a that's a a harder um, hurdle because a lot of people don't think about their brain as a muscle the same way that we think about the other muscles in our body. We are completely okay with going to the gym and doing leg day and arm day. But when it comes to your mental health and your mindset, you don't put that same rigor into your brain. And so I think at that point, it becomes a matter of pruning. Like when you are trying to develop a positive mindset and a successful mindset you really have to become aware of what's dragging you down. Like to your point, if you have done the work and you've got the smarts and you believe everything that you've read and learned, but then you go out into the real world and you experience your first bout of rejection or doubt from a loved one, then you've got to start figuring out like, okay, well, that's the next part I need to unpack is like why after I've built this body of evidence over here, do I allow myself to just completely disregard it because Ricky from down the street Thinks it might not be a good idea. (laughs) That's a whole other set of (laughs) work that you have to do, which is not likely going to be found in a finance book, except for ours, because we, (laughs) we, (laughs) we put it in there. Like, yeah, this is what's going to happen. You're going to feel really freaking confident. And then you're going to share your idea and they're going to shoot it down. And that's where you got to like, start to recalibrate your social connections. And you got to start figuring out like who you're willing to share these dreams with on your way to making them come true.
2: Yeah, that's, that's very true. And that, that goes back to community. You
0: know, <laughs> it all comes back to community. <laughs> yeah, who, who are you going to share
2: your ideas with? Are they going to shoot them down? or empower you, right. Or, right. or tell you, Hey, that's awesome. I've made this mistake. So just watch out for that. And uh, how did you guys end up here? Like doing all this cool stuff, talking about money. And I feel like psychology and community. How, how did you guys do this?
0: We just didn't stop. Like that's that's I think I feel like that's the answer. We've been at it, we've been chopping down this tree for, you know, almost 10 years now. And we just didn't stop. Every time we hit a roadblock or a hurdle or we felt like this may not be possible, we would go back to our community, we would talk to each other, we would look for new stories in books, we'd look at historical figures and say, it's actually possible. We just have to change something up. Um, I don't know if you have a more like specific example that feels very like woo woo love of attraction, but
2: how'd you guys meet up in the first place? And then how did you decide? Let's talk about money.
1: Yeah. So the short story, short, um, <laughs> disastrous version of the story is that we, we met at work, right? We, we started on our jobs working for the same company. Uh, we were on the same team. And so we where, actually,
2: where'd you guys, where were you guys working?
1: So we were in the hotel industry. We worked for um, uh, IHG. They had the North American headquarters here in Atlanta. And we both, you know, you start to get that big job. And for both of us, this was the job. This was the one that's going to change it all. To your point. You want to be the landscaper, make 80 to $100,000. Life couldn't possibly get any better than that. And at the time, like that was basically where we were. And we were traveling half the time, all around the country in some cases she was traveling international and we were young hot shots for about three to four years and then reality started setting in all of the sort of drama and trouble that a lot of people experience uh, just by uh, being in corporate america uh getting older starting to realize that you know you are being asked to do even more and it just, after a while, just starts to weigh on you. And um, you start to realize that, hey, like, I don't know that this is a game uh, that that I can win anymore or that I even want to keep on playing. Um, but, you know, we hit it off pretty quickly. We ended up taking a vacation. And uh, I think we, we did not think that part through because we said, well, we're going to split it. And after a while, I was like, well, how are you going to, how are you paying for yours? I, I mean, I know I'm paying mine off, you know, when we came back, like, I want to get back to, to you know, I had a great time, but like uh, it's, it's going to be peanut butter and jelly for the next couple of days because we were yeah. balling out uh, on that vacation, and she was like, "Keep the party going." What do you <laughs> mean? And so it was really interesting. We got into this big argument uh, when we realized that we were, I guess, financially incompatible in that huh. moment. <laughs> and uh, we ended up breaking up. And then it took us a couple of weeks for, to realize and like, well, that was kind of silly. Um, not only do we like still have feelings for each other, but like I wonder how many other people are breaking up over really silly reasons like that. And that's when we started having more transparent and uncomfortable conversations with people, which then started unlocking all of the other issues that were getting in the way of why people were not achieving their financial goals. Mm-hmm. And it's all of the things from, well... You know, I, I, while I make enough money, I can't save as much because I bought this really big house. And so ugh, I'm kind of stuck with that. Oh, and I got this really expensive car. So I'm kind of stuck with that. And that's a really important part of my identity or, Oh, I'm really stuck because I went to this, these schools and now i have got all these student loans and all of these issues started piling up. when we started realizing that so many people were struggling that on the outside, looking in, they had the big job. They had everything you would want, the big house and the car. But underneath it all, there was little to anything left over. And they were still drowning in debt with no plan moving forward. And we said, we don't want to be that. Let's do things differently. We started having more uncomfortable conversations um, and started sort of of double teaming our debt payoff and learning about money. And so that sort of led us to where we are as we wanted to share everything that we've learned.
2: How did you transition to deciding that you wanted to put it out there and help others. What was the first avenue? Was it Instagram? Was it a book? What was it?
0: It was a blog. It was a blog, yeah. an old school blog. This oh, was back in damn. 2017. And we had an Instagram, but Instagram was still largely just a photo sharing app. Nobody was using it to learn or like, it was truly a social network. You just, join to see you know, what your friends were doing right. on a Tuesday. And that has since evolved since we you know, joined it and our platform and our audience there has grown. But it started as just a blog where we could tell stories and show people that this is a normal way of living too. Like we don't just have to do the extreme versions of budgeting or the extreme versions of wealth building. Like there is a, there is a nice middle ground that you can find and here's where we're gonna write our story.
2: I like that. And then from the blog, what happened? Like, what what, what did you decide to do after? So we went from the
1: blog to saying, well, you know what? There are only so many people that are willing to read uh, these stories. If you want to reach more people, you need to meet people where they are. And people like to look at content. They like video. And we saw the current landscape and we saw what people were doing. uh, And we said, well, that's cool, but we wanted to do things differently. And so we got really creative and said, well, how do we make our video content look and feel uh, like something that we would want to watch? And so we love and still love things like travel television and food TV, uh, love Anthony Bourdain and all those things. And we said, well, what if we rolled in financial lessons into a dinner? Like I'll make a meal. We'll sit here, we'll talk about, we'll enjoy the meal. And then we'll sort of talk about uh, financial content and careers and life and all of the other ways that money sort of intersects with our life. And we call it Money on the Table. That turned into a video series. Uh, we've now done two uh, two seasons now. In the second season, we traveled to six different uh, parts of the country and had similar conversations with friends and experts on different topics. That's cool. um, and so that all then turned into... Connecting with Success Magazine and saying, "Well, not everybody's on YouTube. Not everybody reads uh, a <laughs> Some blog. People like Some people like podcasts. And so let's see if we can find this other way uh, to meet them." And so, between that, between uh, becoming published authors with uh, Penguin Random House, uh, our video series, our podcast, uh, and our book, like we are pretty much. Addressing this at all angles from time to time, we even go meet people and do speaking engagements uh, to talk to them uh, in public. But um, it's, it's a pretty fun. It's been a pretty fun ride. We get to talk about uncomfortable things like money um, and we actually kind of enjoy the process. And so I think just the act of making it a little bit more accessible and more relevant and relatable for people, I think, is is half the battle and just getting them to care about something more today than they may have the day before. Mm-hmm.
2: That's cool. All right. Where do we follow you? Where What social channels are you most on? And of course, we know your podcast, right? Rich and Regular.
0: Yeah.
2: But where do we follow you?
0: Yeah. So we're probably most active on Instagram at Rich and Regular. We also have pretty active Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Rich and Regular. And then our website is richandregular.com.
2: I'm going on YouTube right now because I don't think I had you guys on you, Rich, and regular. Oh, I'm, yeah. I had you on Instagram. Yeah, I knew it. I wasn't on. I just subscribed to your channel on YouTube. We'll Thank take you. it. Thank <laughs> you. And Work's
0: done. I can clock out for the day. Ah, <laughs> that's it. You're done.
2: <laughs> and I had visited your website. I'm looking at it right now. We can order your book there. You've got your YouTube channel connected, and you've got some blogs. I love it. Well, you guys are still blogging. I like that. And you have a newsletter. All right. Tell me about the newsletter really quick.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's not as active as it should be, but it's uh, the place where in your inbox, we're telling stories and we're pointing you to all of the content that we've done. We often share content that we have created with other creators that just doesn't live on our platform. So podcasts like this would come in our, in our newsletter. And then at the very end of our newsletter is what I call brain candy, where I share the three or four best articles that I've read this week that point out a really interesting financial topic or have an interesting financial lens to them. So it could be stories about, you know, elite athletes who are now struggling with identity because they can't run anymore. Or it might be that parents are moving in with their kids now, like the trend has reversed. So whatever I'm finding out in the world of media that's interesting, I kind of curate and put it at the bottom of our newsletter.
2: I like that. That's such a good idea. A brain <laughs> candy. Very, very good. I like that. All right. Next time, I want you to wear the happy face hat.
0: I know. I'm sad I didn't have it on.
2: <laughs> now I have to go get one.
0: Just- <laughs> we'll send you yeah, one. We'll
2: send it to you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I appreciate you being on. Well, thank for you, man. Us. It's been great.
0: Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.